Knox Game Design. November 2021. Stencil. Welcome everyone to Knox Game Design for November 2021. So this month we're going to, going to be talking about Stencil. Stencil is a uh, game development environment uh, to make 2D games. Just a little bit of overview about Stencil. You can go get it at www.stencil.com. You can download it for Windows, Mac, and Linux. And also, by default, you can make builds for free, but there's two additional pay tiers for $99 a year. You can create desktop builds, and for $199 a year, you can create mobile builds. Yeah, so here's the Stencil website right here. It's just stencil.com, and there's a download button right on the main site where you can download uh, for whatever platform you need, and it has installation instructions and minimum minimum requirements recommended requirements and things like that so i'm going to go over some of the pros and cons of stencil uh this is a game development environment i've used in the past it's been a while since i've created a stencil game but i think back in like 2014 and 2015 i was using it quite a bit uh, i actually made i think three games one ludum dari game just two just test games so some of the pros, uh, if you're coming from scratch, I did a presentation on scratch, I guess a year or two, year and a half ago. Uh, scratch is a good way to learn game development. It has a uh, interface for uh, coding graphically by pulling components in and, and programming that way instead of just using plain text editors, which makes it a little bit more accessible to new game developers. So if you're coming from scratch, it uses the exact same game uh, coding, visual coding environment. Uh, so if you're coming from scratch, this is a good next step. Um, if you want to do a little bit more than what you can do in scratch, stencil is a good next step. You can make a game, get a game up and running in about five or ten minutes. Once you have the environment installed, you can make a game in a matter of minutes. Uh, so if you want to get something up and running fast, Stencil is a good way to go. Uh, there's a lot of examples out there on the Stencil website. Uh, just many games out there, and I think a lot of them you can actually get the code, uh, the graphical code for it, and learn from those. And that's the way I usually have always learned new game development environments. I'd download an example, then just try to change something and get it to recompile and see my changes. Um, is, as I was mentioned earlier, it's a little bit more robust than, than Scratch. Scratch is very limited. This gives you, Stencil gives you the ability to do a, a little bit more, both in game logic and in display and sound and things like that. And also there's a built-in physics engine, which is really nice. So you can get 2D physics right out of the box. You can get collisions going and everything like that out of the box. Uh, some of the cons I've came across over the years with Stencil, uh, it makes a very large project file size. I think my one Ludum Dari game is like 200 megabytes, I believe. Yeah, so here's the uh, game. It's called Dream World that I made for Ludum Dare uh, back in, I believe, 2015. And yeah, it was 239,000 kilobytes, or roughly 200, 240 megabytes. 
actually 233 megabytes for that one game. <laughs> so the problem with this is if you want to check it into a code repository, I'm sure that's fine if you got a local code repository or your own code repository. If you try to check this into GitHub, then it's going to come back and say, hey, your project file is too big. Uh, lower your lower the size. So I, I'm not able to check this in to like to GitHub, which is unfortunate. So I kind of wish there was a way to make those project files a little bit smaller. Um, the other downside with the graphical programming environment is that you can't do like a search and replace on your code or anything like that. Uh, you can't uh, use a text editor. So everything's got to be done through that graphical interface, which can make things a little bit slower. Uh, by default, it makes Flash builds, and Flash has been disabled in all, <laughs> I would say, all web browsers. Uh, so it's not easy to be able to put a, a Flash, you can put a Flash game out there, but you're not going to be able to get very many people to play it. Uh, just because Flash is disabled on most web browsers these days. with it, I'm sure you can jump through hoops. Actually, if you go uh, to a Flash game... Yeah, so here's one of my stencil games right here. And it'll say Adobe Flash is required to run this project. So if you click Enable Flash, it's going to take you to the Adobe website. And it's just like, hey, we've retired Flash. Ports ended. If you click on here, um, they're just like you can't even download the Flash player anymore. Now, I think the Flash desktop build will still work, but uh, they even strongly recommend uninstalling Flash. So that's kind of disappointing. I wish Stencil would like make a version that that used WebGL or HTML5 or something different, kind of like Unity did. Um, Another downside, it only does 2D games. If you want to do 3D games, yeah, don't use Stencil. Um, one problem that I found is there's a lack of GUI components. Now, they do have a large, like, library uh, repository out there where you can get things that do graphical GUI components like text fields, I guess combo list, drop-down list, and think buttons but by default stencil doesn't do any of those so if you need a button you got to draw a rectangle and handle the click events yourself or if you need a text field you're capturing each of those key presses yourself so versions of stencil the current version is 404 which i haven't done any new games in 404 the version that i primarily used when i was developing in stencil was 3.1 uh, there is the ability to upgrade with Stencil from 3.1 to 4.0, but your mileage may vary. <laughs> uh, like I put right here, updater tries to bring game to current version, expect issues. So I tried this with one of my older games, and yeah, the, it, it had issues with some of the graphics. Those graphics didn't look right, and uh, so you'll probably have to work through those issues. So I guess the lesson is, if you made a game in Stencil 3.1, you can go out. I put the link right here, communitystencil.com index.php, question topic equals 50530.0. If you go to that site, you can download all the previous versions of Stencil, which is pretty nice. So if you know what version of Stencil you made your game in, you can go back and download those versions. So, yeah, right here, there's 3.1.
that I use. And I even noticed issues between like 3.1 and 3.4 because the first time I tried this, I downloaded the 3.4 and my 3.1 game still didn't look correct. Uh, so you got to make sure you use that uh, both major and minor version that you use to uh, make your game. So talking a little bit about SNES, I'll go ahead and start it up here. Um, just need to decide if I want to do the 4. So I'll go ahead and start with Stencil 4 right here. Since it is the latest version, um, the Stencil Test right here. Yeah, so this is like a little simple shooter game that I made. But first of all, Stencil has scenes. Uh, scenes is analogous to like a room in Game Maker or a scene in Unity. I forget what they call it in... Unreal uh, Engine, but it's basically uh, your one one level of, of your game. Uh, so yeah, you start out with the scene. You can switch between scenes for different levels. Uh, by default, it uses a 640 by 40 resolution. That's the resolution of my first monitor that I used when uh, when I was a teenager back in the late 90s. So. By default, it uses 20 columns by 15 rows, uh, which are 32, pic 32 by 32 pixels in size. So if you multiply that out, it's 640 by 40. If you do need a larger resolution, you can go in there and increase those numbers of columns and rows for the overall resolution. Uh, but just be aware, like I say, not a lot of, a lot of web browsers support flash but back in the day you just had to be aware that uh you are working within a web browser uh, window so you don't have the full resolution that can be changed under scene properties and also it does have the concept of layer so you can layer uh have like a background layer which comes by default you can set a background and then put different layers of objects on top of that and you can also hide layers as well. So let's just create a new scene. I'm just gonna call it test and use the default 20, 20 uh, columns, width is columns and height is rows, 32 by 32, create. Yeah, so this is your basic scene with your layers, things like that. So the next thing is actors. So actors is analogous to an object in Game Maker or a game object in Unity or an actor in Unreal Engine. So these are basically different different like characters in your game, like the player, player character, or player ship, or the enemies in your game, or even things like items. An item would also be an actor. Anything that contains like game logic. Um, so actors have different properties. One of the properties is the appearance. And by default, every actor has an animation. If the if there is no animation for uh, that actor, then you'd have a actor. You have an animation of just one frame. It doesn't move, but but typically you probably want to have an the character moving around or things like that. Especially if they're walking uh, or moving, things like that. If they're just standing, you may just want to have a one frame animation. 
you can set the animation frame length. You can have the animation, the different frames of different different lengths and time. Uh, by default, it comes with a editor for editor for editing your graphics called Pixelator. I believe it is Java based, um, so it may prompt you to install Java. But it's pretty nice. But typically, I just pull my graphics into either. Usually, I use uh, Spriter. Uh, I think I think there's a free version of or no Aspirite. Spriter uh, I also use uh, sometimes for animating. Uh, but Aspirite is a good tool that I use. I think it's paid, but it's it's pretty pretty cheap. It's relatively cheap. I'll just say that. <laughs> like yeah, I won't say how much I think it is. Because it could change. But yeah, I like Aspirite. So you can create a ping or whatever. And import that. You can, I believe you can import like sprite strips uh, into, into Stencil. And one thing that I found out with this latest version, you need to set the scale to 1x to keep the original image size. Otherwise, it's going to downscale your image. So let's go back. So I got my test game here. Go to dashboard. And I'll create an actor. I actually already have some here. So I'll just create another one. So I want this to be, uh, uh, I'll just call it, uh, already got player there. <laughs> um, just call it hero. So create. Create my hero. So then it's going to say actor type contains no animation. So click here. Click here to add a frame. Then you can choose an image. Then one thing that's kind of disappointing takes you to like your default folder. I wish it would remember like the working directory, but apparently it doesn't. So yeah, I got the player PNG right there. So yeah, this is how it downscales it right there. So you want to make sure to set that to 1x. Actually, you need to set it to 1x before you import it. Otherwise, it's going to be super small. You can click Add. So there's my animation right there. Actually, see if I can edit that right there. So here's the pixelator right here. Close. Yeah, so there he is. So let's say we want to make him a different color. Where's the color? Selector. Foreground. Oh, there we go right there. Let's make him... Like green, so let's set this to 255 and pull this up. Okay, and we want to fill. So now he's kind of green right there. <laughs> so file, save. That's all we need to do. Yeah, so he's green now. So now we know this hero is different than the other player that we had. So save and go ahead and close that. So yeah, now we still have our background right here. We should be able to click on actors over here. Now we got our hero, so we can pull our hero. Oops, click our hero, click them right there. And then you just press test game. Okay, so if you already have a scene in your game, you need to go to scenes, right click, click on it. What do I set to? Yeah, so you want to click on your scene, click on market starting scene, and click on your scene right there, test game. Or you can just test this specific scene. Yeah, so there it is, my one actor. So right now he doesn't do anything. Uh, but now we can go back to our dashboard. 
go to actor types. So the next thing is behaviors. So behaviors are really nice. I mean, it really takes away a lot of the coding and everything. So uh, with behaviors, you can add controls for your characters, player control characters, or you can add logic to your enemies. Um, there's also a lot of, of customizations. You can specify animations and uh, button assignments. So like if you press the up button, and you wanna change the animation to a, the character walking up, uh, then you can do that in the options there. Um, and always remember both a character, like an instance of a character uh, or an actor can have behaviors, but also your scene can have behaviors as well. So if you need something, a behavior applied to the overall scene, uh, then, then you need to apply that at the scene level and not at the actor level. So yeah, there's a lot of different behaviors you can add one is jump and run movement kind of like the standard super mario brothers four-way movement sort of like zelda uh there's another one called fire bullet for shooting uh you also have for that one you got to apply what what actor you want to be used as the bullet um so in this case a bullet is also an actor and here's some of the ones uh for the uh for the scene uh, follow target, or actually that might just be for an actor as well. Uh, there's also a back and forth movement for, uh, that would possibly be used for an enemy character, which I'll show with the little space shooter that I made, and also wave motion. So if you want something to go around on a sine wave, there's a wave motion. And there's a, another one called cannot exit screen. So if you want to limit the player uh, within the screen, you can use this behavior to print prevent the character from leaving the screen. So I'm gonna go back to my little test right here and show an example behavior. So I'm gonna click on my hero and just click on behaviors right here and you can click, click here to choose a behavior to add to this actor type. So I'm just gonna click four-way movement, choose, and you gotta assign the buttons, so up. You can change or add additional buttons uh, in the options, down, left, right. I'm gonna use the default speed. Just gonna use the default animations, but like I said earlier, you can change those. So let's go back to test and just test this scene. Here, here we go, right here. Now we got this guy moving around, pressing up, down, left, right. So yeah, here's. Here's like, if he exits the screen, for whatever reason, you can't get your character back in. We'll see if we can fix that. So also remember, you can have multiple behaviors. You can click Add Behavior right there to add multiple behaviors to the same actor. So here's the behavior called Cannot Exit Screen. Choose that and go and save and go back to our test scene. Click Test Scene. So now we got it where the character can't go outside the screen just by adding that one behavior, which is pretty nice. Here's some more behaviors for enemies and for collisions. So there's a such thing as a collision behavior. Uh, also realize you can customize the default behavior. So we got like this enemy right here and want the enemy to die on collision uh, with like a bullet or with the player. So in the collision event, then we're going to modify that so whenever uh 
that enemy collides with something, then it's going to kill whatever it collided with, such as a bullet. Then it's also going to kill itself and then increment the score by 100. I'm going to go back and uh, look at our this example shooter that I made. Let's go back and mark this one as starting. I'm just going to briefly go over this. So we got a background right here. I didn't mention the background. Uh, but yeah, under your resources, you have backgrounds. I think I have a slide on this. Maybe a couple of slides away. So I'll talk about backgrounds in a, in a little bit. <clears throat> But yeah, so in this in this scene, I have like five enemies, and got a bullet actor, and I got a ship. So let's look at the ship first. So it's kind of like the player that I created earlier. Let's look at the behaviors on the ship. So I got a two-way horizontal movement. So that's kind of like what I just showed with the four-way movement, except you can only move left and right. Uh, cannot exit screen. Want to make sure the player stays on the screen. And then I also have fire bullets. So this is where you choose the actor type for the bullet uh, right here. So you just click on that and you just choose the actor type bullet. So the bullet, look at its behaviors. So yeah, the bullet just has die on collision with the enemy. I believe that's the one that I modified. And click on edit behavior. That's how you customize this right here. So this is what I was talking about earlier. It's very, it's a lot like scratch. Where you can just drag. So when self hits an actor type, I think you can actually choose. I could actually put it as a type of enemy. Then uh, you got somewhere over here. Oh, so under actors, you have multiple Buttons. So you got lots of different things you can choose from, but uh, typically for this, I would just use properties and you just drag in kill actor or kill self. Then you can just pop that in right there. Have last collided actor right there. Oops. Got to be careful when you're dragging, dragging these things around because it's going to drag everything under the top thing that you click. So move that out you got to click that one then move these back in then you got like these global events you got a global score so you can increment score by a value so you just drag in that increment score right there then you just type in a hundred or how many ever points ten points a hundred points whatever you want right there then you can delete these by right I think right clicking cut cut it you can also delete some. Remove, not delete, remove. So yeah, this decreased the score by, we changed the score to 10. So if we test the game now, which I didn't show this originally running, <laughs> but here's basically the game where you got the ship, you move left and right, you press Z to shoot. So now we've got the score increasing by 10.
And I currently don't have any game over states or anything like that. But, uh, you know, let's go back to the game. So that's basically the ship and the player. Then the enemy was the last part of this. But the enemy behaviors just has back and forth horizontally. So that just moves the enemy back and forth. And you can specify an initial direction. So he's going to start out moving left and set the... <clears throat> how far they move. So if we want these guys to move really fast or faster, you can set the speed to 50, save, test. So now they're moving a lot faster. And we got the score. It might be hard to see, but in the upper left-hand corner right there, score of 30. So back on the game, as I was saying earlier, you also have scene behavior. So you don't have score, you can just add this score manager right here, and you can put the position. So really, this should be like at 50-50 or something like that. And I'm not going to go over fonts, but you can like pick a default font or a different font. I had a little bit of problems getting that working. So this looks... I, I, I have changed the font in previous games, but for whatever reason in this game... Yeah, there it is. So default font right there. Move it down a little bit. So really for this, you'd want to have like another, like a custom behavior. And I'll talk about events in a little bit. You may want to have it as an event. Like when an enemy is killed, check and see how many enemies are left in the scene. And then if there's no enemies left in the scene, then move to the next level or say the game's over if that's the last level but yeah that's the next next slide right here so you can use events for custom code not covered by one of the pre-existing behaviors uh one that you may want to use is actor create if you want to create a new actor uh or actually actor create is the event so whenever it's kind of like a constructor so whenever that actor is created, you can have specified code, custom code run. Uh, actor update, that's kind of like on every frame for that specific actor instance, if you need something to happen on every frame. Um, actor killed, that's when the actor is deactivated or destructed. Um, it's actually located under the create uh, group. So if you look here, and let's look at... Uh, they are ship, and you just click on events up here and add an event. So yeah, you have when creating, when drawing, when updating. You also have like keyboard events when a keys. And I've used this for another example that I'll show. And you got things like touch screen interface for mobile devices or, and swiping, and then any button for uh, game pads. And you can also set kind of like an alarm in Game Maker, you can have something happen every number of seconds. You can have all these different collision events, things like that. So, yeah, you can just kind of think of events as like, hey, these things uh, that don't cover pre-existing behaviors, you really want to customize something. So backgrounds, I probably should have talked about this earlier, but backgrounds is just kind of like a special layer. Uh, you can assign an image to it. You can make it tiled. Um, 
make it scrolling. One really nice thing about Stencil, it handles parallax scrolling for you, so you don't have to write any custom code. You just like click repeat background and set the values for the parallax scrolling, and, and it works right out of the box, which is really nice. So sounds, it, it, you can either use MP3 or AUGs, um, and depending on what build you're making, if you're making a flash game, you need to use MP3 or, or, for, or for an HTML5 game. I guess it does support HTML5. I didn't know that, but what it says up there, um, so you use MP3s for those. For AUGs, you need to use AUGs for iOS, Android, Windows, Mac, Linux, or HTML5. So it's probably good to specify both unless you specifically know what platform you're targeting. But yeah, you just click on it, uh, click import MP3 or import AUG. So I think I have, yeah, I have an event on my bullet. Let's look at our bullet. Let's look at events. Yeah, so I just had a created when created. Then we're just gonna go under our uh, sounds tab over here, drag in play sound. And then you can specify which sound you want to play. Just choose sound. And all your imported sounds are right here. Uh, you import sounds on your dashboard right here. Sounds. Click here to create a new sound. Just call it uh, my sound 2 because I already had my sound. Then here's where you either import an MP3 or an AUG file. It brings up the file chooser, so you can pick that right there. I think there are some, yeah, so there are some specif uh, requirements on the, the file that you use. You get, It recommends 44.1 kilohertz frequency. I think it r really requires you avoid this avoid variable bit rate. Uh, so, you, so if you're making a sound, I ran into this. When you're making a sound, like I use Audacity, um, you got to change that variable bit rate to, or actually make it not use variable bit rate. Otherwise, it will uh, complain. I guess this is where you choose. Yeah, so here you got Flash HTML5. I didn't know that. Okay, so you got a few. I don't know what the CPPIA is. But yeah, right there, HTML5. I didn't know that. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not sure if that's a paid feature or not. Uh, so for HTML5, you have to use AUG. That is good to know that you can create an HTML5. And yeah, like I said, I don't know if that's part of the paid or the free or not, but if that's part of the free version of Stencil, I may go in here with some of my older games and rebuild them as HTML5 uh, so they work in newer browsers. I learned something. So Stencil has attributes instead of variables, but basically the same thing. Attributes can be a number, text, boolean, a list, map, and other very different, various different values. Uh, you can use game attribute. Uh, you can use a game attribute if that value should persist across multiple scenes, like if it's a static type variable, like score or something that needs to go across the scene. So controls, so like I said earlier, out of the box, you get up, down, left, right, and I think a couple of fire buttons like Z and X, I believe, kind of like Pico 8. Uh, but if you need more than that, if you're like actually 
trying to get input from the keyboard uh, for different letters and numbers. You actually have to go in and map every single key yourself, which is kind of a pain. So this is one of those trade-offs, like in another game development environment, it makes it really easy to get keyboard import, input. And stencil is a little bit more difficult. Uh, so if you want letters, then you got to map 26 different keys. If you want numbers, you got to map 10, 10 different uh, keys for your numbers, which I'll show an example of that in here in a little bit. So, yeah, so I'll go ahead and show that. Yeah, so that's actually on this next screen, next slide I have right here. So this is an example of a number guessing game, simple number guessing game that I created. So when it's created, we're going to like set this attribute called the I secret number. I use Hungarian notation, which is why it starts with an I for integer. We're going to pick a random integer between 1 and 100. That's one nice thing is it makes it really easy to set a random integer right there we're going to do that when the game's created then whenever a any of these number keys are pressed so i had to go through here and map all the different numbers zero through nine so i created an event called when that key is pressed then we're going to set the the, the guest number to the current string value of guess which by default is going to start as just blank then we're going to add that number to that. So we're going to build a, a string of numbers. And then we're going to have an event for keyboard enter whenever the enter key is pressed. Then we're going to convert that guest string, string of characters, to a number. And if that number is greater than the secret number, then we're going to output lower to the user. Uh, if that string that string represented by the number is less than the secret number, we're going to display higher. And then if that string as a number equals the secret number, then we're going to print out correct. Then we're going to also display this variable called I guess count, also an integer value, and the total number of guesses. And then every time the enter key is pressed, we're going to increment the guess count by one. And then we're going to set the guess value back to the empty string. And then on our draw event down here, then we're going to uh, like put out like my copyright or whatever number guessing game, Levi Smith. At the top, we're going to say guess the number between 1 and 100. Then we're going to draw the value, current string value that the users guessed. And then we're going to draw what we call result here. So every time the user makes a guess by pressing enter, we're going to set this result, stir result string to that value, whether it's high or lower or correct. And uh, yeah, this was some debug down here, draw text secret number. Um, that's basically, you can put that in here. That's going to show you what the secret number is as you're trying to guess. So when you distribute the game, you don't want to show the player what the secret value is, but as you're debugging, you may want to know what that secret value is. So I think I have that. Let's go back. Let's exit this game. Close game. Don't save. Yeah, so that's number guessing. Now I'll put all these like out uh, probably on GitHub. If I can, because some of these get to be pretty big, but the ones that I can, I'll put on GitHub especially this number guessing game. And I'll put a link on the noxgamedesign.org website. 
but here's number guess right here. So as you can see, it's just a blank screen. We have no actors. Everything is handled by events. So I have these, all the keyboard events over here on the left side. Then an event that I was talking about earlier for keyboard enter right here. So this is what's executed when you press enter. Then I have a drawing event, as I mentioned, for displaying the output. And then here's the created event right here for setting the secret number uh, from one to 100. So let's go ahead and test this. Yeah, so here it is, number guessing game. So let's just click on it and guess 50, higher, 75, lower, uh, what, 62, higher, 65, higher, 67. Hey, I guessed it in four guesses. So to improve this, you'd probably want to have like a reset or something, but right now you just got to like play it again, restart it in the browser. getting really good at playing the number guessing game like a faster way to play it'd be 50 higher 60 higher 70 higher 80 higher 90 higher 85 90s lower 85 correct five total guesses so yeah it's a pretty simple game i mean the the, the most effort for this game is creating a keyboard event a key press event for every single number key like I said, it doesn't handle key presses. You gotta hand create one of these keyboard handlers for every button. Like I was saying, there's uh you can go out and uh download extensions from their repository, but I usually don't use that. I usually try to roll everything myself. <laughs> but that's the number guessing game. And aside from that. I uh, just made a note that games are saved to your user directory and app data roaming stencil, stencil works games. So if you're actually build your game and you're looking for it, uh, that's where it's going to put it. So. Get our app data. Which is kind of unfortunate. I wish you'd be able to uh, pick what folder you want to save your games to. That's one disappointment. That would be a nice feature. Yeah, so here it is. Here's all the games that were in stencil right here. Like the number guessing. There's all the code. So this is what you'd check into your source code repository. You can also change the icons for your game. It uses by default. Like here's your scenes. So maybe you'd be able to just import your scene data maybe i'm not sure but i think by default it uses that uh dot stencil dot stencil file but maybe that they changed that in the latest version so just to wrap this up i want to exit out of stencil 4 not save that. Let's go to stencil 3.1. Just show off some of the stuff that I've done in the past. So the first game I made, I think, was either, like this conspiracy theory, the little alien game. So this was, like I was saying earlier, uh, the way I learned is just like take a default game and change some stuff. So this is like the, the starter uh, jump and run games. So I just changed it to use this alien and 
agent graphics and I got like the little scroll in the background. So it'll pop by default it handles run and jump. So I got the little walking animation right there. Then you jump and when you jump on the guy's head, then he disappears. So like if we looked at our actors right here, hero. So here's the animations, walk left, walk right, jump, idle left, idle right. Here's the behavior. So yeah, got die in a pit and reload, jumping, stomp on enemies, walking. So yeah, I think some of these events may have changed in Stencil 4. These are the older Stencil 3 events. Uh, let's see if enemy, let's look at enemy. Yeah, so he also has... I actually had a walking animation for the enemies. But let's look at behavior. Stompable. So I had a stompable behavior, a stomp animation. Yeah, that's stencil three. So let's go back. File, close. So the next game that I created was Super Buzz. So I actually have these on Newgrounds. Newgrounds used to host a lot of different stencil games or Flash games. Pretty simple. Turn down the audio. This was a little simple platformer. Collect the coins, jump. Sometimes it feels a little bit clunky when you're jumping. It kind of stops when you land. But yeah, pretty simple game. And then when you get to the end of the level, it, it does a scene transition. Uh-oh. Oh no, I can't jump up there. There we go. And the music just kind of leaps over and over. So here's like a pit you gotta avoid. Don't want to fall in the pit. So here's the scene transition. It does a little cartoon circle, whatever you call it, <laughs> expand and contract. And it's got the uh, score up there. Every time you collect a coin, you get points. File, close, don't save. So here's the one that I did for Lidum Dare. So I spent a lot more time on this than most of the other ones. I actually used a tool called Terran's Verve Painter, which makes like liquid effects for doing the backgrounds. So this was Green World. And I had like these uh, random sayings as you play through this. So it's kind of like a nightmare survival. You avoid the little evil bunnies right here. So yeah, I actually made the little bear and Sprider, I believe. I animated them in Sprider. So it's, it's kind of the same concept. You got the little Z's, kind of like, kind of like for sleeping. Oh no! Then if you hit an enemy, then it fades out. But yeah, actually had quite a few different levels. Like if I go to two, mark is starting. Test that. Yeah, it had eight levels in the game. So yeah, quite a 
quite an extensive little game, but basically each level is collecting the Z's, avoiding the bunnies. But you can tell the background I use that liquid painter, Terrensworth painter for the background, which was pretty neat. Let's look at level A. Play this one by itself. So each level had its own like theme, color theme. And this one kind of included all of the other ones together. Yeah, it had like, different fruits and things in the background. I forgot what the theme was. I think the theme for this one was Connected Worlds. It's got all these little different dream worlds connected together. But yeah, it just kind of goes to show what you can do in stencil with enough time. Or like, I'm sure you could make a really neat game with more enemies and power-ups and things like that. But yeah, I like the little background I made for this one. Using the Terran's Verve Painter. Kind of like painting with oil or something here. Had my little bird there in the background. Like this, I don't know, demonic type character taunting you as you go through the different dream worlds. Yeah, so this was kind of like an earthy green level right here. nature level of this. Yeah, so that's Dream World. I was proud of that game. It's made in 48 hours, but probably the best stencil game that I made. So, before we close it out for November, uh, just want to say a lot of people are doing a lot of good work on the Discord channel. Take a look at it real quick. No Arctic here has been working on uh, bump mapping, parallax occlusion, and bump offset for lighting effects in 3D world. Been doing a lot of good work and kind of like a little tutorial explanation of the different lighting right there. Got some new members joining. Uh, Black Jar. Jared, I believe, been working uh, as well, showing off some of the some of the levels that he's created here, and uh, Arctic also uses Substance Designer, which I haven't used myself, but it looks like you can do a lot of cool stuff with it, as far as textures go, or three D three D environments texturing. Created this box right here, which looks pretty cool. Like an ammo box. 
Actually, I wonder if that's like a uh, 3D thing right there. I don't Yeah, here's some more substance designer right here where you can connect all these nodes together. Like he's uh, added a link. We want more information on substance designer. Click on this right here. We can do a lot of cool stuff with it. So yeah, be sure to join our Knox Game Design Discord links on the Knox Game Design website, Knox KnoxGameDesign.org. Got Discord right here. You can click on. They'll take you directly to our Discord channel. More demos. We also have a Game Dev Resources too. So if you want to post any resources, you can put <coughs> put that there. Looks like Jared's also working on some Unity stuff. Unity 3D game. Looks really cool. And also we have uh, game show off. I recommend if you're if you made something and you want to show it off, uh, post it in game show off. Uh, otherwise, if you just put it in general, sometimes general goes really fast. Uh, so if you put it in game show off, it should stay up a little bit longer. So this is games Jared has been working on. 3D game right there. Be more. Been working on some stuff. Right here, you can take a look at, at their videos. But yeah, lots of good stuff people have been creating. So anyway, that's going to wrap it up for November 2021. I hope everyone found Stencil helpful a little demo like i just did a really high overview of stencil but uh yeah you, it's really powerful you can do a lot with it and so hopefully people found that helpful uh next month may do construct i don't know i can't i can't think of anything else right now i haven't done a lot with construct uh, but it's another 2d game environment games with. but yeah we'll see we'll see Everywhere. Anyway, hope everyone out there has a great Thanksgiving and rest of the holidays, Christmas coming up, and uh, we'll plan on doing this again uh, next month. Thanks everyone for listening and watching.